Say more tea, please. More tea, please. Okay. God, why did you let this happen? I can't feel your presence. Why did you let something so bad happen to someone that was so good? Why couldn't it have been me? Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. Please, God, tell me why. Why? That's a good question. This is, I got the news Friday afternoon. Caleb had called and and let me know, and and we we were able to gather with Doug. And and like I said before, I'm very humbled that Doug has asked me to, to preach today. And this message of all is probably very, very personal. I know to me, and I have a feeling it will be to you guys as well. So I want to encourage you, you know, you respond how you feel necessary. You know, it, it's been a tough weekend for all of us. You know, Doug's a brother, Doug's our leader. And when he, he hurts, we hurt. And so it's okay if you need tears, if you need to cry. We don't have any Kleenex in here, so if there's a long line of people running to the bathroom, I'll understand. But l- let's see what the Lord has to say to us today. I was five years old when my mother and my father got a divorce. And little did I know at the time that when my father left, when we actually left, that would be the last time that I would ever hear or see from my father. So 33 years, I've never heard or seen from my real, my real father. While growing up, I remember many hours spent asking myself, why did he leave? Why doesn't he want to talk to me or my sister? And then ultimately, why doesn't he love me? I found myself crippled by a simple question. And it is incredible how that question impacted the next 25 years of my life. Why? It is amazing to me that so many of us can find ourselves locked down in life by three simple words. We can go into complete shutdown mode simply because of why. We can have our lives turned completely upside down trying to come up with an answer as well as finding a level of peace and comfort. I want you to watch this video. Maybe you guys feel a little bit like this. so many questions in life that I just can't find the answers to them. You ever feel like that? 
You want to ask why? For example, there's this couple at our church, great friends of mine. The man and the woman both love Jesus. I got to watch them court. I got to marry them. They wanted a baby. They couldn't get pregnant. For years they tried and prayed, and one day they got pregnant. Nine months later they gave birth. The baby died. That bothers me. Why did that baby have to die? Another example. 17-year-old girl going to a Bible study. At the same time, there was a guy who had too much to drink. The guy hit her head on. It was his third time to be arrested for drunk driving. It was her first time to be killed. Why is there so much pain in this world? So much divorce and abuse? Why do so many good people die young? Sometimes I just don't understand. Why? Why all the pain? Why all the heartache? You ever ask those questions? Here's one for you. Why did my brother-in-law have to die? He loved Jesus. He was only 34. Why does God answer some prayers and not others? Why? Why do I feel alone sometimes? Hundreds of people would say, yeah, we love you, Craig, you're our pastor. And yet sometimes I feel all alone. God says he's near, and a lot of times I feel him near, but sometimes he feels like he's far away. So many questions in life that just don't have clean answers. You ever feel like that? Wonder if you've ever felt like Jesus might have felt on the cross when he cried out. My God, my God, my God, my God, why? I believe there are many of us here this morning who are dealing with this exact same question. I've talked to many people who are asking these questions regarding Doug's situation or or the Pence's or situations in their own lives. Why do good people die young? Why does God answer some prayers and not others? Why do bad things happen to really good people? Why do some people have the greatest desire in life to get married, yet spend their lives alone? And why do some, when they get married, promise to be together forever, end up broken up and divorced? 
Why? I remember when my wife was pregnant with our third daughter, Willow. She's my baby. (laughs) The first few months were really, really good. Very easy, good pregnancy. I remember we went on a trip to see her cousin in Corpus Christi for Christmas. On the way back, she began to have issues. Went to the doctor. The doctor told her she had gestational diabetes. The gestational diabetes were causing contractions, premature labor. And she was ordered to bed rest for the remainder of her pregnancy. And she could only get up to use the restroom and then occasionally shower, but even then, they they wanted her on bed as much as possible. And I remember one day in February, you know, we monitored, every day we would monitor her blood sugar. Things were going okay. I mean, she was miserable, but things were going okay. I can remember February. She began having major, major contractions. Willow was about 28 weeks along at this point. Went to the hospital. They're in working on my wife, and the doctor pulls me aside and begins to tell me all the problems that can occur if your daughter's born 28 weeks. He told me roughly 75% of them do not live. And the ones that do, these are all the issues that you're going to face. I remember very clearly having a discussion with God and asking him, why? Why, God? The response I got, I was not expecting or prepared for. God told me, because I am in control. I'm not trying to answer our why questions this morning, but what I want to do is give us a few things that we can learn from these why questions. The first thing we can learn is that we learn who is in control. As powerful as many of us think we are, as important as we think we are, we learn in tragic situations that we are nothing when compared to the majesty of Almighty God. It is Him and Him alone who really has power and control in this world. It was He who created the universe and everything in it. It was He who cleansed the entire earth of sin and darkness with the flood. It was He who helped David slay a giant. It was He who destroyed the power of the grave once and for all by using His only begotten Son, Jesus, And it is him who is ultimately involved in the things of our lives. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, And making it barren sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter in which I sent it. His thoughts and ways are not our thoughts and ways. To take it a step further, our thoughts and ways have very little to no impact on God's ways. Sorry to break that to you. 
He is in the captain's seat where he belongs. Always has been. It always will be. When the trials and tribulations of life arise, it should give us comfort to know that God is in control and I am not. When I understand that God is in control, I no longer need an answer to my why questions. Why? Because God is. Our faith can be a very fickle thing. And I think many of us this weekend have really begun to question our faith a little bit. And that's understandable and that's okay. Our faith seems to be rock solid when things are good, when our prayers are being answered, when fellowship is great, when, when life is going as the way we thought it should be going. If one of those things gets off kilter, however, our personal faith can be shaken to the core. We as Americans have made faith and how we respond to it a very selfish thing. Faith has become about us, not about God. Faith has become more and more about how we feel and the circumstances we are facing and less about the belief in an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving creator God. It is in times of trouble that we get a new understanding of things. When we are being surrounded by the wise in our lives, the second thing we learn is we learn who God is. Here's a quote by C.S. Lewis, and anytime I, want, I feel smart, I read C.S. Lewis and realize I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God is shouting right now, isn't he? There's a lot of pain in this room. And God is using that to rouse a deaf world. It is in times of despair and uncertainty when we ask the question, why? It is by asking the question, why, that we discover that our faith is not what we thought it was. Once we discover our faith is not what we thought, It forces us to look at who God is. It is in these trying times that God shows himself to us in a meaning, powerful way. James 4, 8, and this is the first part of it. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And if you get nothing else from this message today, I would like that you go home with that. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It is the desire of God to be close to us. He is always pursuing a close, intimate relationship with his children. He pursues you harder than you pursue him. He sent his son to the grave for you. Yet in times of uncertainty and despair, we throw out this idea that God God must not be with us because if he was with us, none of this would happen. That's the enemy whispering to us, guys, telling us if God was really with us, Doug's parents wouldn't have died. Ryan's brother wouldn't have died. All the things that are going on in our lives wouldn't have happened if God was really with you. We have a messed up faith and a messed up view of faith. When times become hard, a lot of times we run away. When times become tough, we fill our schedules so I don't have to spend time with God because life is really hard. And if he really loved me, I wouldn't have to go through this. We are the ones who turn our backs on quiet moments and quiet times with him. 
we run away from God instead of drawing close to God. God will use these times in our lives, however, to bring us back. When our faith is being shaken and the walls are about to come tumbling down, he draws us close with a whisper. He draws us close with a prayer or with a song. Or he draws us close with a brother and sister in Christ in our life. He loves to remind us how he feels about us. And I'm going to list a few verses just in case you're unsure about what God feels about you right now. The first one, God loves us more than we can possibly imagine. This is one every child learns in Sunday school. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's times like today and death when we realize how powerful that actually was. To give his own son because he loved me and because he loved you. Something that we really need to know today, God rejoices in us. Zephaniah 3.17. How many of you knew Zephaniah was in the Bible, by the way? (laughs) The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. In other translations, it says he will rejoice over you with dancing. Did you know that in heaven, your father is dancing for you right now? That's what he feels about you. As difficult as it is to understand, God uses these times in our lives to make himself real. He moves from being an idea to a real comfort in our times of despair. He uses these moments so that the world will know that he is God, that he is the great I am. And as he told Moses, just tell him that I am. He uses these moments to, as they say in Revelations 21, wipe every tear from our eyes. And we need that right now, don't we? As Christians, we have a really good good time and we have a real talent of mixing things up, especially as American Christians. If things go the way that I think they should go, God is mighty and he is powerful and he is awesome. And I will praise him. When things that we don't like or understand happen, like this weekend, we begin to hammer God with all of our why questions. Why God? Why God? Why God? Why God? As Jesus said, my God, my God, why? And then you fill in the blank. In the process of asking these questions, a little fact becomes clear. My perspective is way off, and I'm viewing things the wrong way. Perspective can be defined easily as the facts known to one. That's why everybody's perspective is different, because it's the facts known to them. Simply put, my perspective on a situation is based on the facts known only to me. My perspective drives my emotions, my reactions, and my decisions. My perspective is what I come to God regarding a situation with. When I come to God in prayer, it's only with my perspective. You know, and that's why I said earlier, praying for Ryan and Doug, I can't pray properly because I don't have the right perspective. When this happens, it leads us to question. It leads to all the why questions in our lives, right? Because our perspective is messed up. So that begins to add to the why questions. I'm only looking at situations through my limited knowledge and experience. I do not understand it, so it must not be a good thing. 
I do not like it, so it has to be bad. It's difficult and painful for me. So God understands if I turn away and run from him for a while. Our minds tell us God is God no matter what, in any situation. But our spirits and our hearts tell us otherwise. If I were to ask all of you, is God God? And you would say yes. But I bet there's some of you in this room right now whose spirits and hearts might be telling you a little something different. And that's okay. Because of the overwhelming nature of the event or of the situation or of the tragedy or of the tribulation, we only have one perspective. The last thing we learn about God and about ourselves in these times of trouble is we learn a different perspective on things. Storms in life are inevitable. I wish I could tell you differently. There's been many times in my life where I've thought differently, but storms are inevitable. I remember coming to Christ, I was 21 years old, and never, had never gone to church till I was 18. I remember that moment when I accepted Christ, and right then and there, the enemy entered in and said, you know, everything's going to be great, nothing is ever going to happen to you, because you're in Jesus now. We know that's not true. We know the Bible says that that's not true. Things will surely not go our way at some point in our lives. And for most of us, it's going to occur multiple times. It is through these times that God allows us a glimpse of his perspective on things. Philippians 1, verses 18 to 20. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not put to shame in in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Paul wrote this letter from prison. So he is in prison, and this is his perspective. He's saying, Lord, I don't understand it, but you do, and I'm going to trust you in that. So Christ will now even, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. And I want to lay that challenge to you this morning. In this situation right now, what we're going through is New Life Community Church. Will Christ be exalted by our body today? As we walk through the trials, God opens our eyes to see something we would have never noticed before. For just an instant, we get to see things with his eyes. Go back to the situation with my father. As I got older and began to learn more about my father, it became very, very clear that he really, in all terms, was a horrible man. He was a pathological liar. He was a cheater. He was a criminal. There were a lot of things that he was. As a matter of fact, before we moved, my mother and father had just gotten divorced. We were, getting, we were living in Alaska. We were getting ready to move, and I didn't find this out till later. He actually picked me up from school and tried to leave town with me. For 24 hours, I was missing, and finally, my mother tracked me down. It was not done because he loved his son. It was done because he wanted to get back at my mother. Could you imagine if I would have stayed with a man like that? There's a better than good chance that I would not be standing before you today. In an instant, my perspective of his situation was changed. Instead of asking God why, I began praising God, thank you. And I know down the road, 
the Pences and the Washburns are going to be able to praise God. Thank you. The answer to my why is the same as the answer to all of our why God questions. Because I know what is best for you, even when you don't. Why? Because I know what you will become. Why? Because I love you too much. What a change in perspective. So what does all this mean in context of this morning? Those are really good words there, Joe. But what does that mean for me today? We have real pain, grief, trial, and tribulation going on as we speak in this room. Not just what, what we've talked about, but in our hearts, in our spirits, in our family lives. We are experiencing a time, a time when human words just do not seem to fit. I understand God is in control, but if I were to be honest with myself, I still wonder why it happens. I see how situations can give us a new appreciation and understanding for God, but this is just too fresh for me to think that way. I am in a trial that is too new to have God's perspective. What am I supposed to do? My perspective with my father was after 20-something years. What am I supposed to do today with what's going on? I have one suggestion for you. Run. Run to a father who is mighty. Run to a father who is understanding. Run to a father who knows. Tell him, give him your wise. Give him your anger. Give him your pain. Give him your confusion. Give him your trials. Give him whatever it is you need to give him so that you will feel better. He is good for it. I remember a while back, I had heard this at a leadership conference, and everybody knows who Mother Teresa was. And, and they had recently discovered that for the entire time she was in ministry, she kept a journal, wrote something every day. Well, they discovered these journals. And they were reading through it. And the thing that struck them is there were big stretches of Mother Teresa's life when she wrote very, very clearly, God, I do not feel your presence. I think they figured out something like 40 years of her ministry. She wrote something similar to that. But every single day, the very last line she would say is, I'm going to love you like nobody has ever loved you. So as you're sitting here today, maybe you don't feel God's presence. But love him like nobody has ever loved him. It is times like these that giving God praise can be the last thing on our mind. But it is the first thing we need to muster the strength to do. Praise him in the pain. Praise him in the trials. Praise him in the uncertainty. Praise him in the storm. We're going to close with a song. After the song's over, I'm going to pray. This song is for you guys. Worship. Pray. Cry if you need to. Whatever you need to do, this is your opportunity to do that. After the song's over, I'm going to close in prayer. I guess what God is showing me is that sometimes He calms the storms in our lives, and sometimes He just rides them with us. But either way, blessed be the name of the Lord. This is Aaron's song. Sure about
once again I say amen and it's still raining there's a thunder
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you in the storm. We praise you in the darkness. We praise you in the rain. Father God, gather up our tears right now. For they are like incense to you in heaven, Father God, just like our prayers. God, I ask right now that I'm just going to take a minute to be quiet. If you have a why, lift your whys to God. He wants to hear it. So just take a minute to do that. Father, when we lift our wise to you, I pray that it's not because we want to have an answer, but I pray it's because you are the one who deserves. You are the one that we know can heal us. You are the one we know who can sustain us. We are the one, you are the one that we know can make us come through beautiful on the other side. Father God, we need beauty in our lives right now, Father. Father God, we need victory in our lives right now. Father God, I ask that your spirit washes over each and every one of us right now today at this moment, Father. Lord God, as painful as death is, there's life on the other side. For Doug's parents, there's no more anger, no more tears, no more hurt, no more pain. Doug's dad's heart is beating perfectly in heaven, Father God, because of what your son Jesus Christ did for us. So, Father, I thank you for that. Lord God, as we sit in here today, the one question that comes to my mind, and there's probably people in the audience right now thinking this, is why did your son have to die for me? As painful as death is, why did he have to die for me? The simple answer is because you love me too much for him to not die. And so, Father God, for those of us who believe that with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our minds, help us renew that faith and that belief. If there's somebody in here who doesn't know, they think they might be going to heaven, but if they were to ask themselves, if I were in that situation, I just don't know where I would go. Maybe today's your day. Maybe today's the day to answer that why. You just have to tell God you believe what he did through his son, Jesus Christ. You believe you're a sinner. You believe he's perfect. You believe that his death on the cross and his resurrection will give you an eternal home in heaven. It's that simple. It's that easy. With every death, there is a new life. And so, Lord, we pray that today. Father, go with us. Protect us, Lord God. But most of all, continue to love and comfort us. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.